This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. All right, Nick, good show. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg's leaving to go take advantage of our brand new coupon code. Type in Long Ash all day Friday and Saturday, and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase. Some exclusions apply, but other than that, 20% off your entire purchase all day Friday and Saturday when you use the coupon code Long Ash. Nick, did you know I just got 20% off? Yes. Here we have the legendary Greg Waters. Hello, everybody. You sound so excited to be I here. I am so excited. Yeah, you sound hysterical. And hysterical? we have a man. I'm not even going to call him a man. I'm going to call him a myth. Why is he a myth? Does he do any way he exists? He's here. Is he? I may be. Mm-hmm. Was well, he secret? Shh. No, well, secret knows all about him. Oh, secret knows? Uh, is we he part of the secret group? A man here whose creative mind is only matched by his fashion sense. One of the tallest, nicest, and most... What's a word like? What's how would you describe Hikiest? Jack Sparrow? Like, what's his essence? Piratey. Piratey. I was gonna say grun- I was gonna go grungy, but he's not grungy. Yeah, no, 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 not grungy. Like very like piratey. Yeah. Ah, aha! You should have seen me when I was Jack Sparrow for Halloween. Oh, people probably years. didn't even recognize you. Did you see that? That was it. Was unbelievable. They probably just thought he was Jack Sparrow. They did. No, it was it was <laughs> it like- was a good night. I was, <laughs> I was in Miami Beach. I enjoyed myself. Uh, everyone, give a nice round of applause to Robert Caldwell of Caldwell Cigars. Robert, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Hold on, clap. All right, continue. <laughs> was that a golf clap secret? Yeah. He's he secret, secret lap. Uh, so this is the Long Ash Podcast. I talk about cigars. Greg listens. And then occasionally someone teaches us both something. Yes. And that's, I think, what's going to happen today, Greg. I know. This is, this is my favorite time of our show is I get to hear you talk and I get to smoke a cigar. Yeah, you which, have to. Which yeah. is every time. No, but this is, I mean, it's, it's cool because, you know, who knows how much of what I say is bullshit? Like, we don't know. But from these guys, it's mostly true. I'm glad you speak so highly about yourself. I mean, you gotta. So, Robert, how you doing, man? I'm well, thank Good. you. I woke Good. up at four this morning. And what what kind okay. of weird thing? You did something. Did you take up. a hike today? No, I wake up. Thank you. Um, no. <laughs> I wake up early. But I, I woke up uh, extra early. Because normally it's 4.30. So. Oh, so you were just really excited to come here today. Well, I flew uh, from Miami to New Jersey and then had brunch and then came here oh, you have oh it was an early flight where do we have brunch tops, tops. oh the diner oh tops. they're redoing it it's closing amazing. down in like a month and then they're they're gonna redesign oh, it just came in time that was very good dude it's it's not even i don't even classify it really as a diner it's like such a different thing Never they been. have like little cheesesteak egg rolls you can get you know, oh, know. i was at you so hernando my business partner who's lurking in the shadows he suggested it Today, because I landed, I'm like, have you had breakfast? And he said, no. I'm like, all right, well, let's go to brunch, because I had breakfast at 4, and it was like 10.30. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I know that's a great diner, but normally when somebody knows a great diner, it's like dog shit. Agreed. And uh, so anyways, I was very impressed. They, yeah. I got Eggs Benedict and then Silver Dollar Pancakes, they're called. That was, that was like a, a cool brunch place, but for like 30, like before brunch was the thing. Mm. For like 30 years, that was like a cool spot to go to, and it still is. I mean, there's some good, like, you know, you have TikTok. Like, yep. you know, you have good, like, classic Jersey-style diners. That one has a touch of the classic, but with a more modern flair. And the food is just, the food is really, really good. Yeah, the last the Jersey really diner I went to, it was literally, like, Bisquick pancake. Oh. Just, it was garbage. It's terrible. Yeah, it's where you go at four in the morning, you know, to get, you know, disco fries. Yeah. And a hamburger. And they wonder That's why it. they're not doing well. I mean, they, they're still open, though. I don't know. <laughs> where is TikTok? TikTok oh, is on... Oh, okay. Well, I'm trying to think if it's the one on Route 3 or the one on 46. But what, what, 
Uh, that's one on three. Yeah, it's in Clifton. That's where I went. It was terrible. Oh, see. Yeah, yeah oh. it's a legendary spot. I haven't been there in years because it's a. I think that's where I went. I went, to, I went to a diner in Clifton. Yeah, that's, that was TikTok. Are you that, sure that was TikTok been. and not? There's another one. There's another because there's one Nick's on 46. So, no, nah, it wasn't TikTok. Nick, Nick it was so, a single name. Nick, no. Nick is so upset right now. Uh, no, because there's one on. I can't think of the one that's far, by my house. The one by my house right on 46 right might be TikTok. Well, he just and said it wasn't two words. The other one was a single name. It was like something apostrophe S. Smith. Yeah, we'll have we'll have secret look at it. Could have been something like that. It was Smith's it was diner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it could have been Smith's. Let's just say it was. Okay. I don't know. My rep up in that area, he took me there, and he's like, "Yo, I got this diner." Baby. I know exactly who, you, who your rep is. Yeah. Let me take a guess. So, yes. So then he takes me to this diner. You know who it is. And he and his wife. You know how people say they're pregnant. Yeah. His wife's pregnant. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Cats out of the bag. But he's also. <laughs> pregnant. I don't know who he is. He's also pregnant. Well. People yeah. say it because it's a thing now, uh, which makes me very angry. Stupid. It's thank you. No, I had somebody say that to me the other day, and I'm like, no. you're dead to me. Like I just, <laughs> you're fine. It makes me more angry. <laughs> There's few things that make me very, very angry. Like, see red, kill, murder, kill, and that's one. Guiltacular. Um, what's the other one? No, what's the, <laughs> what's the what's the what did the guy say on 63rd in Madison that I lost my shit? Yolo? You do you. Lose my ah. shit. And then you said something today like three times. You said my side hustle. You've been watching too much Instagram. Hashtagger. So anyways, that shit makes me lose my mind. But so we go there and this guy, I mean, you know, he's fucking he, pregnant. And so they're like so excited about wonder. this place. And we get there and it's like turkey wrap, you know, what, just all this garbage. And then we order, you know, one of each. And it, all of it was dog shit and I couldn't even eat. So then I left there and I went to a Middle Eastern neighborhood. I don't know where it's Probably that? in Patterson. Patterson, thank you. Hmm. And I went there and I found a falafel shop and I hit that shit and I had some baklava. Then I went to the airport and I flew to wherever I flew to, somewhere. Patterson's got some good food spots. Yeah, it does. They have some really good food spots. I'll tell spots. you what, I went to this spot. I don't know what it was. It was just like, I just, I just went until like, it looked ripe. Even getting food is an adventure with you. <laughs> no, nah, this, this was very exciting. I was getting mean this looks. very exciting. <laughs> it was raining, it was cold, and people were looking at me real dirty. Well, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the right part of town. That's New Jersey. All <laughs> the no, right but it was, it was actually really weird. And then I went to the, not weird, but unique. And then I went to, so I had a falafel or whatever. And then I went down the street. There's like a Middle Eastern pastry shop. And I walk in and like the lady at the counter, I'm like, I want some of that. And then she didn't, we couldn't communicate. So then it took like the, like the dishwasher came yeah. out and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, yes. Because then I knew knew I was in the right place because right. no one knew what the fuck I was saying. Right. And that's I had you get to have a translator. Food. That's where you get yeah. the best food. So I got baklava and I got all this other stuff. And That's what I always say when you go to Italy is you never like go like, oh, look at this fancy looking place. You go to like where you just see two old ladies eating lunch and no one understands English. Yep. That's where you go to eat. Exactly. Like that's where they have, they have the best food. Exactly. So I want to keep talking about this because, you know, New Jersey uh, culinary history is a hobby of mine. It's actually my side hustle. But... uh <laughs> Well, we want to like. By the way, New really Jersey quick. bread is on point. Yeah, dude, the, the bread you can buy at Shoprite here, like the Calandra Shoprite loaf, phenomenal. phenomenal. It's, 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 it's the water. water. It's me. It's, oh, it's the Greg Waters. Yeah. Well, you're not from New Jersey. Yes, I am. You're shut up. You're not. Where are you from? Yeah, New Jersey. He's from like Central, I guess, Western. But yeah, Central Western. Central farm Western down, farm country. Mm. Like a lot of Ringo's. people over by him are like Phillies fans. No, yeah. they're half. I'm actually the center point between New York and Philly. 
like legit center point. Washington would, would hang out there because he knew it was halfway between Philly and, that and Philly. That, that's how that's you justify it? That's, no, <laughs> seriously, just, that's a thing. Washington used to hang out in my backyard. It did. He <laughs> did. So we have uh, very unique cigars we're enjoying today, Robert, because they're not, it's not a new brand, but it's a new, can you, you got to tell us the story again. Because so you told us, and it was... Well, he the, didn't tell us the story. Well, you, you didn't. It was a very secret story. And then when the video got very, released, everybody was like, oh, you know, half we already got this, right? Yeah. yeah. And they didn't. They didn't? No. No, they, nobody no. got that. Then what the hell was that you, guy talking about? That, that guy doesn't know shit. I don't well, know. Well, a lot of our anyway, YouTubers. It was, probably, it was probably Charlie in disguise. Like, oh, we have it over here. Yeah, right. No, I actually, I had no, no press release, and I had... You guys were my first interview concerning that product. But, of course, very ambiguous... With no questions yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we were fierce any of you concerning the product because we, 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 there was no knowledge of the product afterwards. Well, we kind of danced around yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of dancing. It yeah, was, it was basically dancing. footloose, yeah. It was. I enjoyed but, it. So anyways, we had no media announcements, and actually it was not present in the booth on display. Yeah. So it was hidden away. Um, and we since have had no press release or anything about it. So... But uh, to tell you about the product, which we did last time, but I'll recap it. Um, we, well, so the story on the product is very cool. So I made a cigar called The Tea with Matt Booth and AJ. And AJ and I have been friendly for about nine years, friends for about five. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, thank you. I've been tracking that. So, <laughs> so anyways, I go, I go to Nicaragua. And we came together where AJ was wanting to make a cigar with me and Matt was wanting to make a cigar with AJ. AJ wanted to make a cigar with Matt, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of perfect harmony. So we came together all of us, and decided to do the tea together. So AJ asked me, well, he came to my house first, and then he asked me for something to smoke, and he started smoking one of my cigars, and he's like, this is too light, this is too light. So finally he gets the king is dead, he smokes king is dead. So I'm like, all right. So then I go to Nicaragua a few weeks later, and he says, can you bring me some more of your cigars? I'm like, cool, fine, whatever. So I bring him like my fuller bodied stuff, or medium full. So king is dead, long live the king, were two cigars that he particularly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Or let's not say that. Let's say that they were his favorite. They intrigued favorite. him. Yeah, they were his favorite of what I had. Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, because AJ has a little bit more of a um, robust palate compared to mine. So when I returned to Nicaragua about a month after that, he hands me two cigars. And I said, oh, what are these? And he goes, well, just smoke them. Let me know what you think. So I smoke them. So I go, what are they? He goes, my interpretation of your brands. I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. So anyways, it was basically if, you know, he smoked the cigars, studied the cigars, studied the tobacco, and then rebuilt them out of Nicaragua as he would see it if he were to make those brands. So they're, they're made using entirely different components and it's not our tobacco, it's not Dominican tobacco, it's not necessarily our product in that sense, but it's our approach kind of seen through his eyes. So it's a very cool thing. So nothing happened from it and nothing was gonna happen from it. And then about a year later, about a year ago, he says to me, hey, do you wanna do something with that cigar? So I said, yeah, let's do something. So we came up with this concept but we kept it very small in nature. So we didn't want to have a huge, broad, you know, kind of roll out of the brand. We wanted to keep it very private and very small. So that's why we kept it secret. And that's why we kept it locked away at the show. So we made a very small production of them, four sizes per brand. And we rolled them out quietly at the show. Very quietly. Yeah, very sure. quietly. You did, a, you did a very good job with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I, I mean, it, when I open social media now, all I see is that product right now concerning us. So... It's gotten enough hands, guys are smoking it, it's getting out there. But the purpose of it wasn't to be something that adds to or takes away from our brand. It was just something kind of complimentary right. where we could offer it to our preferred customers and guys that have been with us for a long time and have always supported us, yeah. big or small, 
say, hey, here's a little something. It's our fifth year anniversary. We were, we're going to roll out a five-year product, which we haven't done yet. So instead, okay, here's a little something special for you guys to have. So Awesome. Yeah, there's that's, no, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah cool. and in terms of retailers, we didn't have, you know, a, a guy in mind. It was just like, you know what? You've done the right thing by us, which you guys have since day one. So we want to make sure that you have that product. So something that's kind of awesome. a, you that's support great. us, we support you back type of deal. I mean, I, I remember storming your booth because you're like, oh, come back at noon tomorrow and you'll get the secret stuff. And I told him to run. And I, I sprinted there and I got there like 11.59. You're like, oh, what are you here for? And I'm like, you know why I'm here, man. <laughs> you're like, all right, I, th- I think I have some. I'm like, you better have them first in line at, at noon to get this, the secret stuff. But as I told you earlier, I haven't smoked them yet. You gave me the two. I put them in my humidor because I'm like that with like stuff, like really rare stuff that like, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to find anymore. Now that we have, that we got boxes set up here, I'll be able to enjoy this a little, a little more, like a little more relaxed. I, do you I keep know. them next to the vapor rub in your humidor? How do you know I have vapor rub? That's a nice little seasoning technique. <laughs> Is it? No. <laughs> Depends what type Mental of mood you're in. I can't use vapor rub because I have too much hair on my chest and it just gets, it just stuck. gets stuck. Oh, that yeah. makes it nice. No, it gets stuck. No, in it's it nice because you start chest. to gather shit in there and you find it later. <laughs> I figured you'd use oh, a comb. Skittle. You know, get a comb. Let's comb it out. No, no, no. I, I mean, I used to put it under my nose until I grew my beard out. Now I just shove it in my nose and get that nice. Well, I got to use the holes. Like, just use the holes mint. Oh, there you or go. Or, or, or Vapor rub's amazing. It is. It is. That was that was like the only medicine for like fifty you ever, years. You, you know. You know what's amazing? You put it in water and you boil it and you just oh, you just it in. You just breathe the fumes coming out. Whatever's in there it comes right out. Wow. They did that in uh, Crocodile Dundee, but it actually was cocaine. Wow. But he thought it was like vapor stuff. So he sees the guy storing. He's like, "Oh, you have a cold," and he puts it in the water. He's like, "Yeah, sniff this, and you'll be all right." <laughs> he put like a thousand dollars for the cocaine. That That's yeah, amazing. It was great. That was a great movie. Uh, so I'm smoking the Long Live the King. Uh, do you know the blend th- for this yes, one? Yes, but I'm not telling you. Okay. We, we actually didn't disclose what's in them because <laughs> we're, we're not at liberty to say that. Gotcha. Well, can you give us the original blend of the, the original Long Live the King? Yeah, Long Live the King's Nicaraguan Habano Seco Pele de Oro coming from Peru. And then you have Dominican Corojo. So this does not have Corojo or Pele de Oro, but it does have Nicaragua. So it narrows down the list. Yeah. Just Nicaragua. <laughs> Both of those cigars are 100% Nicaraguan, by the way. So they're not um, at all similar when it comes to the actual tobacco used, but the, the experience of the cigar is, is reminiscent of. And actually, the unique thing, and I was just discussing moments ago with one of your colleagues, the unique thing with those cigars is having used none of the tobacco that we use, because we, we have a variety of different blends, and we utilize very different tobaccos for those blends, but we also have a backbone that we kind of use right. in terms of where the tobacco comes from, these types of things. And we try to have not a unanimous flavor, but kind of a, a baseline kind of where you can identify it. These cigars, even though they don't adhere to any of those principles, they still smoke very much in an identifiable way to our brand. That is, is the interesting thing about this. I'm gonna, I haven't had, I got to smoke a King Is It. I haven't had one in a few months. And so I want to see, like, I, I get... Like, let's say you want to, like, redo a movie. You know, you want to just redo Godfather in the modern day. It's like, oh, I want to see how it can be done with, like, modern actors, modern technology. This is my kind of vision of this. But when it comes to cigars, I'm interested to see, like, what AJ meant by, like, oh, if I was to do this cigar, like, are we talking similar flavors, similar, like, kind of style? I think generally a a similar smoking experience. Okay. Because I'd say that the style is different. The flavor is somewhat overlapping. 
uh, but not, right. not by any means the same flavor. But it's a similar smoking experience. And I think it identifies with the same smoker, those two brands. So if you're a long the King fan or King is Dead fan, you would identify with those cigars. It definitely has a nice richness in the beginning, a little, a little nice earth leather. Which one? And which one oh, are you this smoking? is the King is Dead. Oh, okay. I, I just said it. You just said it? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Sure. Because I said I got to smoke the original it? King is Dead after this one. Oh, okay. And then oh. I asked him what to blend on that one. Oh. Cliff note. Yeah. Clifton. Clifton. Uh, what are you getting on that? Definitely getting spice right off the top. And then uh, the rich, smooth, a lot of spice in this one. So the point of the podcast in general... Which, if you don't know. ...is that Greg is a new cigar smoker. He's been smoking about a year. Right. More so, like, past, like, six months, really been getting into it. So my job is to be his, like, what's it called, like a Sherma? Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, like a Mr. Miyagi on his journey. But sometimes Mr. Miyagi needs, like, specialists to come in. Right. And that's... That's where you come in. So, like, I had Steve Saka on here, and he blew out everything I had to say. It was apparently nonsense. So, it's just like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like calling myself any kind of expert at all. I have a good handle on cigars and the industry and how they're made and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's, it's cool to see Greg, like, get into experience all of these things for the first time. That's a little flower. flower. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? What? Oh, bloom. Bloom. Well, I was actually going to ask, what, what is your theory on plume? In what sense? Like, we were talking about this, I think, uh, uh, last top, week or two weeks. It was one weeks. of your top fives, I think it was, with the, ta- the Tatoai. Oh, yeah, was. because there's so many, like, Reddit guys out there or, or online guys who, like, just think it's made up by manufacturers to sell moldy cigars. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> I mean... Game over. <laughs> Killing spree. <laughs> At least, theoretically, Plume only exists in a perfect aging environment. Yeah, so That's, when the cigars yeah. are aging as they should for a long period of time, you have that crystallization on the surface. So Couldn't have said it better myself, Robert. But the moldiness, I mean... They also look different. Like, mold looks different. Mold looks different. Yeah, it's much... It's, like, greener or, like, has a Wouldn't bluishness. it be softer, too? Like, it, a it, lot well, it's softer? Also, it's, it's... Plume is on the surface. You can basically right, go like I remember. that and it'll it, come it, off. It's yeah. dust. Yeah, right. mold is, like, in it. Right, like you have to rub. You yeah, got to scrub. You can't scrub like mold off of bread. It's in the. Oh, bread. I know. I had mold in my basement. Can't. Mold on your bread? And my bread. Oh, I had mold everywhere. The mold on the bread is probably worse. It is terrible. <laughs> you think yeah, he, he had like bread? A, he had like a four-month mold problem in his basement. They couldn't yeah. get it out. Mm. Yeah, we're good now. No mold. So <laughs> ain't over it before you sell I, the house. Obviously, you got to go home today. Your wife's like, "There's mold in." No, mold. we had an air quality test. All good through the house. Seriously, <laughs> I'm not making that up. Good paint. Robert's going to, he's wielding mold on you right now. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, Greg is kind of new in his journey. Me and you, we have talked many times. We've had many great experiences together, Robert. Uh, but Greg is just kind of to get to know, you know, a lot of the, the manufacturers. He knows them from like video, you know, IPCPR. But why don't we give him a little bit of your journey in the cigar industry? How, how you came to be? All right. Well, so, no. Okay. No, uh, <laughs> Don't fuck yourself. I actually, I actually <laughs> stumbled into the industry completely. I mean, I never had any desire whatsoever to be in the industry. And actually, even once I got in the industry, I really didn't want to be in the industry. So I kind of landed where I was completely What, what were you doing before that? Well, let me start way back uh, at age 10. Okay. I was a misbehaving child so i smoked my first cigarette when i was 10 years old um and participated in other things activities yeah from a very young age and 
So <clears throat> for FDA purposes, at the age of 18, he started fight. Club. I had my first cigar, <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed the first cigar during my youth at the age of 18, again. And so I, I really, it, it was, it was a mind-opening experience to me because prior to that, I'd only smoked machine-made short filler stuff like that. And actually, the first experience that I had that wasn't kind of like a Swisher Sweet Philly type thing was a cigar called Bering. I don't know if you I remember, remember Bering. We used to sell them in the store. Yeah, I think and we still might have some of them. So I smoked that cigar, and I was just, I just kind of opened me up because it's not a premium cigar, but it's not a machine-made yeah, short filler. It's like it's like a good bundle kind of smoke. Yeah, like that middle road. It's a middle road, but it was a creamy cigar. It had a ton of flavor. It didn't burn hot like most of the machine-made stuff did. It, had, it didn't have, I don't know if it does currently, but it was full to, uh, 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 a real tobacco cigar. Yeah. Because everything prior to then that I'd smoked, it had, you know, whatever, like cardboard shit in it. So I smoked that cigar, and I was in a tree in my backyard. And I smoked that cigar, and... Where did I, you grow up? Miami. And you were in a tree in your backyard? Yeah. Like a tree house, or just like no, sitting in a tree? A palm tree? Well, I was like kind of hiding in the tree. Like, like Tom Sawyer just hanging out Something in the tree? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. It was a grapefruit tree, of course. <laughs> so anyways, I was sitting in the grapefruit that tree. Is, come on. Robert Cole hanging out in the grapefruit tree? Of course. Tree? Where is, else? This is not a real story. This is a real story. <laughs> so anyways, I, but I enjoyed this cigar, and it really kind of opened my eye, just one of them. Um, to, to, to basically what a cigar was because prior to that all my experience with a cigar had just been kind of like smoking right. to smoke and that was the first cigar that I can say I actually enjoyed so anyways my mother was out of town um, again when I was 18 years old yeah of course at the and, age of thank you right. and so my brother-in-law and my sister were, were house sitting and I was smoking something that wasn't a bering I was smoking whatever Philly or have a tamp or whatever and I, and I was caught and my brother-in-law's solution to catching me, he was a cigar smoker, but his solution to catching me smoke cigars was to now take me to a place to buy a real big cigar that was very dark and very strong and make me sick. So old world method. That, that very like, old, yeah, that yeah. old-fashioned, like smoke the whole cart. Yeah, so he takes me down to Carrillo's factory in Little Havana. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, buys me an A Maduro, well, God knows what it was. So like La like, like Gloria. Yeah, it's like that yeah. long or whatever. Yeah. So we go back to the house, fire it up, I smoke like a third of it, and uh, I get to my point where I'm completely saturated with the nicotine. I put down the cigar, and I think right now he's thinking, okay, got him you know, where I wanted him to get to, so this is done. So the next day, I go back outside, grab the lighter, fire it back up. So it took me three days, and I finished the cigar. <laughs> so that was mistake one of his. Mistake two was he used to go to a retailer. They don't have, do they have kids now? Yeah, they have do you two, tell two him the story so no, he doesn't do this? No, I, they, they kind of disowned me. Some of my family doesn't <laughs> okay, talk to okay. me anymore. So yeah. they're, they're on that side of the fence that doesn't talk to me. It's all good. So anyways, um, he also went to a retailer that was in South Miami that was like a 10-minute bicycle ride from where I lived. So I'd ride my bike down to the retailer, and I'm like, hey, Peter, my brother-in-law, I came in here with him last weekend. He picked up some cigars. He sent me with 20 bucks to buy some more cigars. And the retailer's like, well, what, are you, what does he want? And so anyways, I was 18 years old, but the guy trusted that the cigars were going to my brother-in-law. So, you know, put together a little pack of four or five cigars at that point in time, which you could get for $20. And then went and I smoked them with my friends and then the next weekend did it again and did it again. So this guy starts feeding me back issues of cigar aficionado, different cigar, stuff like that. So I started kind of, you know, just learning, yeah, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absorbing all I could. And I was very much enthused by cigar smoking. So... Through my whole uh, youth, later adolescence and youth, I was always an athlete and I was always 
you know, whatever, kind of like predisposed to things outside of just like enjoying cigars. And I wasn't at that point in my life yet. And so somewhere around like 19 or 20 years old, I, I really got involved in smoking cigars. I went to school in Minneapolis for two years. I went to rehab and then that landed me in college. It's weird how that works yeah, out. Yeah, so, it should be the other way around. Yeah, well, so I went to, exactly. <laughs> so I went to, I went to rehab in Minneapolis and then I was living about two blocks from a cigar shop. And so I used to go down to the cigar shop, buy a couple of cigars, sit there, do homework, whatever, that type of thing. And I started getting more and more kind of encouraged by the cigar scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went to, I'd never been to a cigar event. Went to, I went to a Macanudo event and they were rolling out the Macanudo, whatever the Maduro one was. I think it's, it's just Macanudo Ma- Maduro. Macanudo Maduro. Yeah. So anyways, and then I picked up some Avos one time and I had never smoked an Avo. I smoked an Avo XO and that's a gorgeous cigar and that cigar really struck me. And anyway, so then I continued with my life and I was always in the social scene in Miami, but I was always the guy smoking cigars. And Miami's a great city because Miami's not a great cigar shop city. There's a, a scattered amount of good stores, but there's a really, really strong cigar culture that's not a cigar culture. It's just something that's kind of like wound into who we are as Miami natives. So, you know, through your whole life, you go to a party and someone's smoking a cigar. Ten people are smoking a cigar. You go to a say anniversary, wedding, there's boxes of cigars. Guys smoke cigars socially. It's not like, let's go smoke a cigar. It's just something we're, that We're going to hang out and then cigar smoking just happens. Exactly. Right. And then so you go to nightclubs, bars, restaurants, everybody's smoking cigars. So I was a bit young to be maybe a part of the group that did that, but nonetheless, I'd go out with my friends and I'd always smoke cigars and guys started kind of like suggesting to me, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, long story short, I one weekend went out for my birthday to dinner, left my cigars in the car. I had a friend of mine that was working retail at the time that was very unhappy with his retail job. And I go to dinner, leave the cigars in the car, start ordering cigars uh, off of the menu of the restaurant. And they bring me cigars, they're dried out, they're cracked, they're all screwed up. So finally I go and they have a big double door humidor, walk over to the humidor. I mean, nothing was viable in the whole humidor except for a cigar called Pio, P-I-O. Small manufacturer out of Miami, you probably never heard of it. But anyways, ask him about it. I'm like, well, what is this? They said, well, it's uh, a cigar. I'm like, okay. So apparently the guy dropped off a box of cigars, said, if you sell it, pay me. If you don't sell it, whatever. So I smoke one of the cigars. So I get back in my car and a little light goes off in my head because my friend was working retail. He was trying to get out. He didn't know what to do. So I call him and say, hey, I got this great idea. He says, what is it? Well, rewind a second. I go home. First of all, I wanted to give that restaurant a place to buy cigars. So I, I researched like restaurant, hotel, cigar providers, and all this stuff, and I can't find any results. So then the light goes off. So I say, I got this great idea. We should open a company providing cigars to restaurants and hotels in Miami. Just brilliant idea, because everybody wants to smoke in Miami, and everybody smokes. So he's like, okay, great. So I think I was actually with Hernando, my business partner, and I dry pitched it one night. Uh, a couple nights later, I go out to a restaurant or a cafe, smoking a cigar. Guy's like, do you want an ashtray, blah, blah, blah. Ask me about the cigar. And then I just, I'm, oh, I got this company. We sell cigars to restaurants and hotels, and we write the menus, and we train the staff, and all this BS. So the guy's like, great, where do I sign? I'm like, okay. So then I call my buddy. I'm like, hey, we're in business. So I rolled out that company with they him. They have to go make a business. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but exactly. So, which I did do, I, yeah. and, and it was the worst, because I was buying cigars for retail and then selling them for retail for the first three months, because I didn't have yeah. a license or anything. Um, so anyways, but within those three months, my friend's like, hey, I can't afford to be a sweat equity partner with you and I couldn't afford to pay him a salary because I had a, a an actual job at that point in time so I just started doing it nights and weekends 
So then that started growing and growing and growing. So I started selling more. So anyways, I started a restaurant, hotel, cigar provision company. That's awesome. And then I started manufacturing for them, like private label products and exclusive products for those hotels. Then I started bringing chefs and like sommeliers and stuff down to the cigar factories to build like, you know, really true proprietary products for them. And then I started getting kind of on the radar of some bigger cigar brands. So through that course of time, I became friends with Christian Aroa that his family had owned Camacho and they currently, currently own CLE. And uh, I was looking for a warehouse to house my stuff in, but I had no money. So I ended up renting a building in a neighborhood called Wynwood, which is a real rundown, just shithole part of Miami, cheapest rent like in the world. So anyways, rent the warehouse there. Everybody tells me I'm crazy because I'm going to get robbed because I'm going to get robbed. Right. And uh, <laughs> so anyways, I'm friends with Christian and we're hanging out. Tells me I've lost my mind. So Sunday afternoon, Miami Herald comes out, special edition. Louis Vuitton had come in and bought the entire Miami Designs District or bought majority of it. So neighborhood right next to it's Wynwood, the shithole neighborhood. So anyways, all the tenants that had been there got booted. So where did they go? They went to Wynwood. And so Wynwood now, it's a very common name. Everybody's heard of it. It's a super cool neighborhood. But kind of like, like, a, how, like Brooklyn, like, exactly. a, like a Brooklyn. Right. But, but like this. Yeah. Like Brooklyn just, took a little bit of time. Yeah. Wynwood was overnight. I mean, wow. rents went up times 10. So Christian calls me like Monday morning. He's like, hey, did you sign that lease? I'm like, yeah. So he's like, all right. So he meets me down there. He's like, we should do a cigar factory here. So I'm like, fuck it. So we built a factory called Wynwood Cigar Factory. So again, I started this cigar company. That's wild. To be an equity investor for somebody to run it. And then I ended up running it. And then I, I got the warehouse to warehouse my shit. And then it turns into a cigar factory. So all of a sudden, I'm a cigar manufacturer. It's going down the right, the right road. Yeah. So anyways, but through this at, this, at this point in time, via my... Next time, we're not going to have anything on the table. <laughs> via via my, my distribution company and everything, I've, I've spent a lot of time in factories, farms, gotten to know a lot of people, yeah. got to know my way around it a bit. And then so we opened a cigar factory in Miami. And so, again, it was Christian and I. We had it for about a year and a half. But through that course, I came to understand in a much more intimate way the cigar manufacturing process, leaf selection, blending. So I really got kind of like just thrown in, sink or swim type of style so we ran with that project for about a year and a half, and actually we had a tremendous amount of success with it, uh, but unfortunately we didn't get along at all as business partners. Um, so then we split, and then my friend Hernando, who's asleep over there in the chair, well, he's almost asleep. So anyways, through the, through the course of this kind of falling out, he was wanting to get involved with me uh, to do something together. So we went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, let's recreate or, or create a cigar brand. Um, but doing it a little bit differently because Winwood was a roll pack ship thing. This was the coolest shit ever. So we'd make the cigars the same day. We'd pack them and ship them. And then we'd overnight them to retailers so they get fresh cigars the next day. Oh, wow. Cool. wow. So, yeah. <laughs> it was super cool. So anyways, <laughs> it's super cool. So we went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, well, we build a cigar company from scratch. We're going to go to Dominican Republic for a variety of reasons. But one of the main reasons was because Dominican Republic had about 100 years of tobacco growing history over everybody else uh, or anybody in the New World. So and they were about 20 years in front of Cuba, but there were all these small farms and there were unique strains and unique varietals and tons of microclimates and a real diverse selection of what you could buy there in terms of leaf. And then what we found was happening was Obviously, big cigar companies need to produce cigars for large quantity, quality, and consistency. 
So if you have all these varietals being grown, really this quantity is being utilized for everyday big productions. And then all this stuff over here is either getting then put back into like X category, just make it fit, or it's getting utilized for special edition stuff. So we went down to Dominican Republic a few times uh, and started working with a factory called Tabacalera William Ventura, which William, William and his son Henderson combined for about 60 years, cigar manufacturing expertise. Now the other son, Weber, is involved. That's Wilbur without the L, Weber. So he's involved. But now together with that son, it's 80 years between three people. So this guy is super pedigree guy, worked for Davidoff for years, as did his son. Um, but just, I mean, just like diplomatic, like just, I mean, he's the shit. So we start working with them. And the beautiful thing is we didn't know it, but this, is, this guy is the diplomat. And he's the guy that everybody kind of wants to help. So he started a small, very small factory. I mean, no bigger than this room. So a tiny factory. We go in there, production was like 6,000 cigars a month or something. So we ordered. What year was this? 2005. Okay. I, 15. <laughs> I wish it was 2005. 2014. 14, thank you. Okay. It's 2005, we wouldn't be worried about FDA, would we? Anyways. <laughs> um, so anyways, 2000, I'm losing my mind, 14. So anyways, we go down and we meet with them. So the beauty of this guy being a diplomat is we want to get all this special and rare and aged shit. So we go start meeting with different tobacco people, big tobacco people. And uh, we're nobody, but he's somebody, and he's somebody everybody wants to help. So they're like, yeah, no, no problem, William. We'll, yeah, we'll get you, you that, need, right? whatever you need. So we got hooked up, and we got access to a lot of stuff that we probably should not have or could not have, or nobody would have taken it seriously, or we'd have to buy three containers. So we started on a very, very easy kind of premise. So we wanted to specialize in that part, like kind of the never-ending tale of specialty tobacco. Um, and using very well-aged and rare tobaccos. So we started with Eastern Standard, which is um, a Connecticut shade and Arapiraca hybrid tobacco grown in Ecuador. No one uses it. We bought all of it and we have all of it. Uh, Negrito on King is Dead. So that was a tobacco that had last been used like in the 50s and had been grown as test crops. The strain had been kept alive, but no one was using it because it didn't blend and it didn't burn. And then lastly, Long Live the King. So Long Live the King's an easy one. It's Corojo, but the Corojo... Authentic, unhybridized Corojo theoretically only existed in Honduras. So in my experience and my history in the industry told me that was a fact. So when I'm down talking to the leaf processors and growers, I mentioned that. And one of the guys says, yeah, but I have unhybridized Corojo. So what had happened was in the late 90s, early 2000s, blue mold had come in and wiped out all the cultivation there. Except for basically like Hamastran Valley of Dominican Republic, excuse me, of Honduras and a small little parcel of land in, in Dominican Republic, something like 20 acres. So this guy had unhybridized Corojo. So he said, okay, so, and the difference between that and hybrid is hybrid's gonna be scotch and water, unhybrid is scotch. Okay. So it's, just, it's a very similar flavor, similar overall general. But a lot more, the flavor's a lot more streamlined. Streamlined flavor, coats your palate in a different way, a more, just a more enhanced kind of thing. So we utilize that for Long Live the King. So we, we rolled out those as our three primary blends. The pro and con of that was that we, as a company, we budgeted for 70,000 cigars for our initial production. We ended up canceling our marketing budget, travel budget, everything to make 83,000 cigars. And then we sold them in like five weeks. So that was supposed to be a year supply. So anyways, <laughs> we, we were off to the races. So th that's, that's the background of me and my history. Um, the funny thing is, I mean, through the whole course of time, it was like, don't want to be the face of a company. Don't right. want to be this. So here oh, I sit. Here you are. No. The now, face, you're the name, you're everything. You're riding the bicycle. Now, you, the bicycle. now you said 
was the the tobacco for the king is dead. The the tobacco was hard to burn. Is that retail? So one? yeah, so that so, tobacco I started working with two thousand eight seven, and I was given it by a guy named Fufi Reyes. Um, it came from his brother Leo was growing it, who's one of our growers. And he gave me the cigar, in, it's called a patuche. It's basically just like a binder or a wrapper over a single leaf of filler, just a little something like a sample for the flavor. And I was like, and so I was literally smoking it like this. I mean, it wouldn't burn, but I was like, what is this cigar? And then so for the course of my whole history with that hotel and restaurant company, I was trying to make that blend work. So it didn't burn and it didn't blend. When you blended it, it got really bitter and sour. Okay. So... Finally, I mean, it's just complete luck or whatever you want to call it. But when I was working on Caldwell, I never gave up on that cigar. And I'm talking, I went through hundreds of blends, hundreds and hundreds of blends to the point of like, okay, yeah, I mean, just it's not going to happen. And then one day, all of a sudden, I just go. And so the light bulb goes off. There's two other manufacturers that have started using this tobacco after us. So now it's available in three different companies. They charge more. Uh, ours tastes better. But anyways, <laughs> you can get them at jrcigars.com. No, but we're still the only ones that use it in, in filler tobacco. So it's, impo- it's grown as a wrapper leaf. So okay. people, they use it for wrapper, but we also have it in our filler. Am I allowed to ask how you did it? Trial and error. That's all it was. That's I all mean, it was. it was literally a crapshoot trial and error. Because uh, you probably have some ideas in the beginning, like, oh, you know, this might go well with this. And then after like five times of it not working, then it just probably started getting random. Like, all right, just whatever we have, let's try it out with this, with this tobacco. That's that's really interesting because I, I would still say you're relatively new to the. I mean, you've been doing you know between the restaurant business, you know, the restaurant part of it, but it's, you know the the competition you're up against, the EP Cudios and the Fuentes, you're still relatively, I guess, new. Yeah. But you have insight, like you you don't, but you do things completely different than everyone else. Like just the tobaccos you were telling us that are in these blends, like no one else is doing that really. Like everyone else has your typical, like your Habano, your Broadleaf, your whatever. But you're like, I want to take all this weird tobacco that's good and, and use it for my, not even just like for my limited releases, but like for my official yeah. front marks. Well, so there's a reason for that. So when we started the company, and actually if I could rewind, I might not do that considering where we've gotten to now in terms of size of company. But when we started the company, we wanted to do coffee and because coffee wasn't where coffee is. We wanted to do leather goods and we wanted to do cigars. So we wanted to start like a premium kind of like cool, Oh, like Lars. There you go. But we wanted to start like a multifaceted, like gourmet, cool company. So the cigar component was supposed to be a small thing. So when we were looking at the tobaccos, we we didn't need the big quantity tobacco. So we were able to do that. But then the pro and the con was we had a lot of success out of the gates. And that's why you see Caldwell as being like so many different brands, because every brand to us is a different blend. So King is Dead, Long Live the King, Eastern Standard, they all had a threshold in terms of quantity manufactured. When you hit the threshold, you can do nothing but sidestep and create a new brand to grow. So a lot of guys look at our brand and they're like, oh man, you got so many different offerings, which we do, but hey, I'm sorry, we can only make this many of this cigar. So if we want to continue growing as a brand, the only thing we can do is step sideways and now create a new brand and new experience, new brand, new experience. And that's excluding brands like maybe I, the tea is something we can do higher quantity right. of. Um, blind Man's Bluff, that's a high volume brand. Yeah. But King is Dead, Long Live, Eastern Standard, is Savages. The, is the Blind Man, is that also made at William Ventura? No, that's made in Honduras. Yeah. Oh, well, Blind Man Maduro's made it's, it it's at made Ventura. It. So what, do you, were there any big brands that William Ventura was doing before? No. Or you were kind of, you, they, they just kind of like started their operation and then you came along? 
yes and no. So the, he, he was contract manufacturing for a major manufacturer in Dominican Republic as kind of an overflow okay. factory. So um, they would send him like, here, here's the tobacco we use for A, yeah, B, exactly. and C blends. We yeah. teach you to like, roll them and for, or age them for us. Or exactly whatever. that. Okay. They'd say, send over whatever amount of bales. Here's the recipe. Make these cigars. Because he had that quality that they wanted. Right. Um, but he didn't have any production demand. So then when we stepped in, it was kind of perfect because he had just lost that contract or they'd stopped contracting there. And he had some production capacity, but again, it wasn't a huge capacity. Um, and then, so when we stepped in, it was perfect timing. And the guy, I mean, the guy made top, top quality cigars. He just didn't have kind of the na big name right. where people were right. approaching him. Um, man, you tell a hell of a great story. Wow. I don't even have any, I'm, I'm still like thinking about the story. I know. You, you should be a like a storyteller. Thank you. Like one of the remember, like, like Dr. Like, Seuss. No, 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 no. Like uh, like one of like a, like a minstrel. Like he goes town to town. Just tell stories. Tells a story. You know, like you bring like a like a like a satchel. Lute. Yeah, like a satchel. satchel. What's a lute? That's uh, is it a was a lute like a like a flute? Yeah. Sure. Or is it like a guitar? I think it can be both. I think it's like a guitar. Why'd you do both? Can it be a drum? Oh wait, wait. Do it with your feet. That's like no. Isn't like the the accordion is like a no no. I'm thinking of the other one. Sure. Bagpipes. Is like a flute kind of. Yeah. You also using your hands. I don't yeah. know what the hell I'm talking about. No, I don't either. I'm actually just cigars so give me a little bit of a, and I like it. Well, he only had sweet mash and yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody and stole cheese. my chicken cutlets out of the fridge, so all I had you was know, this not me. Mashed this sweet the potatoes. Second time. Yeah, not me. So, he got he got a whole penny vodka, vodka like, half tray penny vodka stolen out of the fridge. Out of my You're lucky that I don't work here because I would do that shit every day. But I feel oh. like you would make it. Like you would leave like little notes behind, like "Ha, I got you, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I worked in an office for like a week, and I think I did that every day. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm not. I'm not even exaggerating. Just like not even like, like walking no. into the guy's office whose like, food he's yeah. like, "Oh man, this is good. Your wife's a good cook." Yeah. <laughs> Eating it out of their home container. That's funny. Whatever. That's hilarious. Uh, so, Robert, what I also find really um, hold on while I sip my A and W root beer. But you could ask a question and then sip your root beer. Let me no, get a I swig am. of that. Yeah, you got sure. herpes. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not on, on the weekend right now, so. Because um, I was going to say, if not, you're about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you tasted that before, haven't you? <laughs> that sweet Miami glow. <laughs> there you go. Um, is I talked to you, I've talked to you just about at every trade show that I've been to. And I think actually my first trade show might have been your first. Was the one in New Orleans? Was that your first? Or maybe uh, it was your second? Well, that was my second with Caldwell. Because I had two prior with Christian. So right. I had... Orlando and Vegas, and then Vegas, and then. Yeah, so it was Orlando, Vegas, New Orleans, and then Vegas, 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 Vegas. Vegas, 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 yes. Vegas, yes. Um, but every Too time. Bad. What? Too bad the Vegas, 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 Vegas thing. It'd be so much cooler if they did it somewhere that people went. Yeah, but. They uh, might do it now. Eh, we'll see. You know what I think? New Orleans was You do a trade hot. show in Miami, you can't smoke. Who cares? You have smoking sections outside. Guys walk around, do business. Yeah. They go outside, they have a cigar. And everybody loves to go to Miami. They drink Cuban coffee, they go to the beach, they, they enjoy the culture. I like to visit Miami. I hate coming back from South and Central America and going through Miami because the, uh, what's it called? Um, customs at Miami is horrible. Go to the DMV. I mean, I, the, the DMV in New Jersey, I think, is on par, maybe even yeah. slightly better. I, it was, I was amazing. two and a half hours coming back from Nicaragua, two and a half hours in Miami customs in line. You know what's amazing? So I got married and we went to the city of Miami Beach to get the marriage certificate. Mm -hmm. And the lady, the administrator, her job is to fill out forms on a computer. Right. She was typing like this. 
It took like an hour and 45 minutes for her to fill out a marriage certificate that's one Yeah, because that way she only has to do eight marriages a day. Amazing. She can go home. One finger and she was looking. For Imagine if you can only this. make eight cigars a day. They'd be so highly coveted, though. <laughs> only eight made. You know, they'd be like... By one man. There'd be so many guys like on, on Reddit like, oh, I got one of the, one of the eight, they're called. So they're super rare. Um, what do you think about what's going on with IPCPR, or PCA as it's now known? <sighs> <laughs> we, I'll tell you this We've heard We haven't heard anybody Very excited about it With the exception of Rocky Patel Because obviously he's on the board So he thinks it's a good idea We haven't heard anything Super negative But most people are like eh, Okay Like we'll see Kind of thing uh, it, It's It's strange And it's a weird topic To talk about it's a weird topic to talk about because no one's going to tell you the truth because they're going to be afraid that they get penalized for it. Or, like, how, how can you get penalized? Like, they penalty already? Do they throw the yellow flag? Yeah, they throw the yellow flag. I wow. mean, look, if you talk bad against that association, they got you by the balls, don't they? I mean, I thought it was supposed to be just a place, like, that helps everyone out and, like, hey, I don't really like how you guys are doing Where is that this. If anywhere? that were the case. Well, that's what they, they're supposed to be kind of like a union. Yeah, I understand. If, yeah, yeah, if that were the unions case. Unions are still political. If that were the case, they'd do the show in, like, April when we could sell cigars and then retailers could resell cigars and everyone could make money and be happy. But so, they don't. They do it at the cheapest time of year where they can, therefore, make the most money and we can get screwed. So. This episode just took an awesome yeah, well, turn. We'll you see if the they question. let us no, back so, next year. No, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, look, it happens at the absolute worst time of the year. You know why, he's, you know why year, he's telling us those? Because he's like, hey, I don't want to listen to this thing. No, 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 that's not why. <laughs> you know, I'll, tell you why I'm telling you. I'll tell you why I'm telling you. Because none of the board members support our brand. So, so when, when you, you say have, support your brand, and, and, and what? There's fashion? retail board members. They don't carry a product. And they never have, and they probably never will. So we kind of came to that conclusion this year. It's like, you know, we get grilled every year. By, for donations and for this and for that and all this stuff by these people and they do nothing for us in return. Do you have to be like a like? Do you have to pay dues to yeah. PCA? What if, what if that's you, not what a if big you deal. Don't? That's a nominal. Well, then you can't attend the show. But that's not a lot of money. But that, but that's the only downside. So you can run your business the exact way you've been running it, do the events you want to do, and just not go to the trade show. Exactly. Okay. Because I, I did notice there were some guys this year who just didn't go to the trade show at all, and. It, the, the names of these companies that aren't going are getting bigger. The names are getting bigger. Yeah. And I think they'll continue to get bigger. And I think that guys are going to trim back yeah. on, on their, their show space. Because here's the thing. Like, I mean, we spend a considerable amount of money to attend. And the return on investment is dwindling. Because in the beginning, we spent less. And we had a, a higher return. Right. You're all still hitting considered. your sales goals, but with, with all the other costs going up, you're not... Yeah. yeah. And you guys have a very... What's the word I'm looking for, Greg? You use your space very well. Thank you. It's yeah. not... Well, yeah. It's, it's comfortable. You can get people in there. You have all your product on display and are really cool with all those, like, those cupboards and everything. But it's not overly done. It's not like way too big, but it's not too small where like, you, know, where you can't fit anybody in there. So You were worried about the chairs, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm worried. Look at the they size worked. of me. They did. I mean, it did. It did. And you also got to remember, in our industry, there's a lot of guys who are probably worried about those chairs. There's a lot of guys. I know. I just had to bring That's it up. That's what always pissed me off about when people make cigar, and you too, when people make cigar t-shirts, it's like, oh, yeah, we made the same number of sizes for every size. In this industry, you make extra, you make large and above. That's it. How many smalls do you give out? And call the weird thing is, like, you do that, and then you go to an event, and it's all, like, baristas. And like, you don't have extra small. <laughs> 
You, you can't ever hit it on the head. So what do you what do you think is the uh, right way of handling everything? Then is it something to have two shows, one show, leave it, leave I it mean, alone? There, I don't know. Okay. So I, really, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a problem that it's the white elephant in the room across the industry. I think that nobody's happy with the direction that, that it's gone. And I think that the consumer day is kind of like a Hail Mary to try to pull it back together to get attendance up and get revenue flowing right. again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, the IPCPR show, I feel like every year it's kind of ticked down. Well, that's what I was going to say before is every year I've, I've gone to your booth and talked to you, every year you're like, oh, we, we doubled our money over last year. We already hit our goal and we're only halfway through day one. But every year you're also well, like, so, and so the show is looking just a lot slower. Yeah, well, here's the, here's the crazy thing. So that was a conversation I just had. If you define the show as the month of July, we, did, we had a fantastic show. If you just define the show as arriving in Las Vegas to leaving Vegas, we had a fantastic show. If you define the show as orders written face-to-face at the show with someone showing up to your booth, we had a terrible show. Oh, okay. so, so it depends how you look at it because we had... You know, you go throughout the year like sprinkling little seeds and then they're going to grow. And then those seeds that have grown because you sprinkled them, is that because the sun shone that day? No, it's because of the amount of time it took the seed to get to maturation where it's turning into a plant. That's what happened through the course of the year. So then naturally you get to the show and companies like you guys, like we're working on deals throughout the course of the year. And then the show is when you have the face to face. So that's when the business is actually executed. But if, but if we weren't there and we flew up here instead, we'd still conduct that business. That's the next thing I was going to mention is I feel like it's more for a lot of the little guys because you know, you, you'll come out with, yeah, obviously you'll have your new products that come out during the trade show, but also like there's plenty of cigars that come out like people, they announce it in November and it comes out in January and we still get those deals. We still get to, to, to try them before and we still, you guys still come here for a meeting and go over the cigar. So I feel like, and I hate to say this because I love going to it, but I feel like for at least the bigger to even more medium-sized retailers, it's not like a total requirement. That, like, that show isn't 100% necessary. Because like, you already visit these guys, and you can bring them a sample. Here, here, we're just coming out next yeah, month. Yeah, and I think, that, I think that further, like we, we've never released our trade show deals early, and that's one of the rules of participating. But what I found interesting was this year in particular, one of our European distributors called me about a month out from the show, and he said, hey, and I said, yeah. He goes, what's going on in the American market? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I've never received a single trade show deal from the U.S. ever. And he goes, I've received seven from U.S. manufacturers that I guess they're just email blasting me these deals, but I've never seen these deals. Like, I've never seen these deals. I think they were afraid people weren't going to go. They were afraid people weren't going to go, and they were just blasting them early. Well, this year more so than ever because of when it took place. It took place right up to July 4th, which is... I'm sorry, yeah. but the last two days of the show, you might as well not have been there. Right. Well, that's why I mean, we left early. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but that's, I, it's like that every but day. But hey, but hey, attendance was flat. So what if... Wink, wink. So <laughs> what if you did something where it, if Vegas in July is because it's budget friendly, did the consumer day in Vegas, and then like you said, have it in Miami earlier for like retailers? Is it something that's just too much money on, on everybody else's end? It, it probably is, and also, like, choreographing two shows is probably a nightmare. And, look, the Consumer Day, I, I, there's, there's a lot of cons to that, which I'm sure everyone's well aware. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard manufacturers bitching about that. And it, it doesn't it, – to me, 
the best part about consumer day is consumers show up. But there's a lot of complications that go with that that I think don't even need to be brought up. But I think what I've said is I, th I, I love getting in front of consumers because that's what we want to do because we want right. to do that. But in addition to that, like you guys have seen my trade show booth. You've been there. You've seen the energy of the brand, and you can feel it. And so if you allow consumers into the show floor, they can then further identify with the brands or they can see, you know, the big boys are kind of like maybe a little bit more flashy, whitewashed when it comes to like their, their brand approach right. at the show. You know, it's very structured and rigid in this. Right. But the smaller brands in particular, you can see the real character and soul of their brands represented through their booth yeah. and the energy of the booth. And I think that that's a really fantastic opportunity for us is to have consumers come in and be like, oh, shit, I didn't know they were like this. Or I love the cigars. Wow. This, you know, they can identify then. And I think that that's a tremendous asset for us to have. But I think that there's, like you're saying, the separations may be a good idea because there's too many other variables right. involved that would cause hardship. Well, because that's the other thing, too, is I was talking to someone that now if you have a consumer day, you have to market your booths and, and handle it completely different than how you would handle it with a retailer as well. It's two different things and how the setups are and everything else. Now you got to worry about doubling. Right. And the, the, load. Cons the consumer day, I can see they're, they're, and I mentioned this to you before, they're trying to make it like the New York Auto Show where people can go and, like, you know, there's no, it, it's what like, everyone loves the New York Auto Show. And, and, but the thing is, the New York Auto Show is not where, you know, Greg's Ford dealership goes to start buying new Fords. Yeah. This trade show is different. This is where we go to buy new things. You know, I had an idea, and we talked about this a few times, about what if they set up, like, PCA-sponsored dinners across the country, like 20 dinners, where, you know, a Robert Caldwell dinner at JR Cigars on Thursday, the whatever date, um, you know, $150 a ticket, you get these five high-end Caldwells, you get to sit with them, you give a little speech, you give a little to-do. People come out in droves for those things, have PCA sponsor it, there's your money, yeah. you know, customers get to interact. Are you talking doing it regionally too? Well, however you, however. Because I think yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, if, however if you they want to do it. Regional PCA. Do, do, yeah, do three. You can do, uh, you know, like three Caldwell dinners. You know, east, East Coast, West Coast, and one in the South. Or you can. We do, should start calling the show Diddy too, because you remember it was like Puff Daddy, and then it was Pete Diddy, and then it's Diddy, and then whatever. I think it's just Sean Combs now. Whatever the fuck, but <laughs> that that thing's the same thing, because I mean it's changed names twenty seven times. I, I I thought it was always IPCPR until I was reading an article recently that it only became RTDA. IPCPR. It was yeah, it was RTDA until like two thousand eleven. I want to say like really recently they changed it. Um, I, I was most upset over the fact that they just didn't talk to. Anybody, not even the, the the retailers. They talk to any of the manufacturers, and you're the ones that they're putting out. The retailers, like, all right, they're cutting out half a day of our business, but like, we can still get there. We still have plenty of time to get our deals in. It's you guys are like, oh yeah, you guys got to do a whole extra day of setup and all this stuff for no sales benefit, just so people can see your without asking, like, hey, do you guys think this is all right? Is this something you'd be interested in doing? They just like said this is what we're doing, without having a vote or or even mailing out a poll thing, like, hey, or a survey, like, hey, what do you guys think? And then kind of, oh, well, 98% of the manufacturers say they don't like this, maybe we shouldn't do it. They just went ahead and announced it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to end well. No. I, yeah. And I think the biggest issue, I mean, there's a bunch of kind of like issues, but I think a very large issue that I myself, if I were a retailer, which I'm not, but if I were, I'd be very upset. Would you say that most American cigar consumers are rich? I would say it's very blended okay but i would i would actually argue that it's a blue collar sport so a lot of guys are going to have an aspiration to go to the show so a lot of guys are probably going to save up to go to the show and they have a very strict amount of 
expendable income, disposable income. Right. And they're going to spend it going to the show. That's going to impact the retailers. Because yeah. now you have a guy maybe that comes in and buys a few cigars a week and supports the store and it's a steady customer. And then he's saving up for a certain amount of time and going to the show and spending his money there, right. you know, to attend. Because they're, oh, they're only going to get 30 cigars, the consumers. Well, that, that's not a ton of cigars. But how much is the airfare? How much are the hotels? Right. And it might be summer and it might be cheaper, but it still adds up. It's still Vegas. Right. And then you have Vegas food hotel. and drinks and all yeah. this stuff. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. You're going to spend $1,500 minimum. And most, most people don't have $1,500 to spend. On a one-day cigar. On a, yeah. So, therefore, it's not going to be one day. They're going to stay. And so, that creates a second problem or second issue. But, but I think the largest part of that is that, that cigars are not a necessity. Cigars are a luxury. And cigars are an affordable luxury. And they're enjoyed by a very kind of, you know, just regular everyday Folks. consumership. And so if you're effectively taking all of the dispendable income or a lot of it, excuse me, disposable income or a lot of it from those consumers to have them show up, what's left? Right. You know, and I, th- I, think that that's, I think that that's something that hasn't been considered. And I think that that's a very valid point. And like if you had a consumer driven event throughout the country where it was meet your manufacturer, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And it costs the consumers less money right. and it doesn't to, take away from the shop. retailers. Yeah. Even right. if they spend maybe even if it's like a hundred fifty dollar, you know, dinner with you or with one Yeah, you just do local, regional multi events. Yeah, and you get your right. you get some nice cigars, you get to and yeah, I basically IPCPR is making the consumers, the retailers, and you guys flip the bill, but then they're getting the money for it. That's how I see it. They're making these guys pay to come out here. They're making you pay to set up your, your booze for an extra day. Diddy, and free Diddy, not IPCPR. Diddy. Whatever it is. <laughs> um, but, however, on the flip side, I do think, like you said, it's cool that they would get that kind of interaction. And I think it's cool to have them see the product. Now, another thing I heard, and I don't know if this is true, um, I think I saw it on uh, Luis, you know Luis, Luis, uh, I think I saw it on his uh, Facebook, that they're making the retailers in charge of like, like so if the consumers buy their ticket for this through, you know, the JR store in Whippany, the people who come from JR Whippany, like the actual retailers who come from that store are responsible for their consumers as, as, as act as like tour guides. Like they're responsible for their group of consumers. <laughs> I, what? Yeah. Swear to God. What? Because they'll, they have, they can't just like, go, I don't think they can just go online and buy a ticket. You have to buy a ticket through a PCA store. So a, okay. a, a re- and so if five people come from, you know, Casa and Whippany, okay. the team from Casa and Whippany that's going to the show anyway, like the buyers or the product merchants or whoever, the Mike G's, yeah. they're responsible for the consumers that buy tickets through their store. It sounds to me like this was really well thought out. <laughs> I just gave you five ideas Hail that Mary. I could have thought out. Hail Mary. Oh. Uh, Speaking of the show this year, uh, it was a big treat for Greg. It was. Because Greg got to meet somebody besides you. I think you, you, have, I think you met Robert probably maybe once before. Uh, Smoking the Carolinas. Smoking the Carolinas. He got to that's meet, a great event. That's a good event. And it's getting yeah. better every year. Yeah, it's better. I like that event. He got to meet someone who I've been talking about for a long time, and he didn't believe me that this was a real person. I didn't. Well, I, th- know, I believed it was a real person. He, I just didn't believe he the... He thought I had made up this, the attributes of this person. I couldn't believe it. And that, that person is Matt Booth. Mm. He was like, there's no way that's a real guy. I'm in love. He's a real-life caricature of himself. He, you know how he made me mad this year? As I told Greg, I'm like, watch, I'm going to do this interview about his new cigars. He's going to just say a bunch of nonsense. He's not going to tell me the blend or anything. 
And what does he do? He goes ahead and is like very professional. It's like, oh yeah, we use a Maduro wrapper on this one and Dominican film. I'm like, what are you doing? I have 30,000 videos with you over five years. Not once have you even said the word tobacco in an interview. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, being video and trying to be informational to everybody that I, this is just going to be a wash and just be hilarious, which is fine. And then all of a sudden he just starts whipping out and I just see Nick's face like, who, who are you? He, he all of a sudden became this like, I'm like, no. Adult? Yeah. And I got a little upset. Do you know? Like, did he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't seen no, that side of him. How have you got, how did you guys like kind of meet up? Just, just through the industry and then you kind of connected? Yeah, well, so I met Matt. Um, I was in Honduras, I don't know, eight years ago or something. Something like that. And I was with Matt and Dylan Austin from Davidoff. And Matt was incredibly drunk. And he doesn't remember this, but he was spinning, <laughs> he was spinning around with like his head on the corner of a chair. And he threw up on the floor. This is when he had his like big hair? Yeah. Yeah, his big hair. Man. And then he like fell on the floor in his puke and then did like a push up out of the puke and then slipped and just like, and just, <laughs> just blood splatter, puke everywhere. So I'm like, all right. So anyways, we, we, we became friends naturally. <laughs> And uh, we just kind of hit it off, and we were always friends. And then when he retired from the industry for the, or took a sabbatical, really, for a short amount of time, yeah. we just stayed in touch and stuff. And then he originally he wanted to come back, but not really come back. He wanted to do Hit and Run and or the tea, but kind of as more like a farewell product right. or just like a little something. And then so we worked on Hit and Run and worked on the tea together. And then I think he got a little taste for it and then just came right back. Well, I so. think he got a taste for it in a different atmosphere than he had yeah. before. A lot less, you know, I, I love Davidoff products, but I'm sure it was probably very political kind of. Company, I imagine. You know, bureaucratic and, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and too. I think it's also different. It's a different feeling maybe to have no red tape. Right. It's also not his personality. Well, his personality, it, it fits in with the Camacho image, right. but not the guys who are actually making it. Camacho. Right. It, fit, it totally fits in with that big, bold, cool. I got you. But yeah, but the the the, the corporate end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they were telling me they weren't even selling his product in Europe. Like they would not have it in Davidoff stores. In, in that Europe. I don't know. Yeah, that's what he like back when he was. They were selling it. But yeah, because this and I remember he kind of like dipped his toe back in two years ago. You guys did the tea and everything. This year he had one of the most amounts of releases that we saw at the show. He had what did he have? He had the uh, the Forest Connecticut, Forest Connecticut, Maduro, he had the Doomsayer, Maduro, Doomsayer, the Maduro, and the Payback. Yeah. The, the big payback, the doomsday, the 10th anniversary. 10th anniversary. The big payback. Well, also, he's got a lot of rebuilding to do, right? Because yeah. when he was at Davidoff, he had like a, a trillion skews to going to zero. So, right. so um, what? but some of his products are made by you guys in, in William Venturo. Yeah, right? William Venturo makes, uh, of those, he makes the Farce series. The whole Farce series? What? Well, and that's it. Okay. Uh, and Doomsayer, sorry. The Doomsayer, I didn't get one of those. I got I to gotta, oh. text him. Oh, text him. I will. Um, yeah, I think it's a really cool relationship between you guys. I think it's a really cool dynamic. And now you have, and I have AJ. And does Matt speak Spanish too? I know you do. Uh, he's communicative in Spanish. Okay. I, he doesn't. I wouldn't say he speaks it, I, but he can get by. Okay. All right, do you guys have any uh, any future stuff planned? Any more? You guys should do a tour. That's a yes. You guys should do a tour. We talked about doing a tour. Maybe can next year. It? That'd be Dude, amazing. Let's bring it. We'll we have to film it. A road. We'll do like Come a road on. trip. We'll do five, five events, but like crazy. Like they're not just cigar events. They're like just crazy madness. I'm down. Let's we do should it. do let's a do tour. It. We've talked about that. Our just our universes now haven't collided in that way. Yeah. To where 
Well, he's been he's been a busy guy lately. Make a whole series of it, like a mini series. Dude, he's he's and he has a gin now too. Yeah, every one on one gin. Yeah. Um, and his jewelry stuff, man. Yeah. He was a marine. Wow. Machine gunner. Yeah, he was a machine gunner. Like in, that's how he, he think he was stationed in Japan, right? That's how that's I what, think so. Yeah. That's how he got into all the Japanese stuff. Right. I'm excited for that big payback. It's gonna be dope. Um, what did you think of the of the new rendition? So, like when you go ready to smoke it, you get that like earthy tobacco smell to it, and then it you think it's gonna taste like that, but it doesn't. If that makes sense, and it's I, I love it. Thank it's you. very good. It's very good. This is really good, actually. I don't like. Just, I hate. I don't like new things. I'm very obnoxious about new things. Well, yeah. I don't like change. You know, like, don't take my parking spot. Don't take where I sit at lunch. Chris, where are you? You know, don't change your barber. You know. I gotta change my barber. I think. Oh boy. Yeah. That's a mistake. I'm a. I'm the whatever guy. I know you are. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> That's why I go to supercuts. Yeah. Nah, you know, fuck that. Like, I, I was, I was actually. You cut your own So hair. my wife, yeah, my wife is Spanish, so I was going to Spain frequently, and it's like eight bucks to get your hair cut in Spain. So I was doing that, and then I found out that my wife could cut hair. So I'm like, wow. ah, 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 saving money. There you so go. She cuts my hair. It's gotten it's really nice though because I sit in like a chair and I smoke a cigar and I read a book. And she just cuts my hair. I could see, I could see Robert getting his hair cut in one of two ways: going to like a really fancy, like a New York City barber Never. shop. Or going to like some like Native American shaman out in the woods. I'd do that. Yeah, I'm very frugal. I'm very I'm very frugal with things. They shave him and they use like like deer blood. As yeah, like I a would ladder. do that. Yeah, and shave me with a stick or something like a yeah, yeah, stick. Like ten miles to get there. <laughs> Wear no, shorts the, the and fancy barber thing. Temperature. I just I don't get it. Like don't an old Italian guy with like the leather strap and. Yeah. If that wasn't a thing, I'd do it. I don't do things. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's a do thing. you purposely not do things because they're yeah, things? Yeah, you know, people kill shit that I enjoy all the time. It really bothers me. Like, there's all I'm sorts of things them. that I enjoy, and then I see it, like, as a people thing. People just become, like, an expert out of nowhere. Yeah. With it. And any type of trend or anything that's, like, anything that has, if there's, if I hashtag something that I enjoy and I find it, it's over for me. Yeah. So if you hashtag it and you realize, like, oh, wow, there's 500,000 other uses of this hashtag, you just stop using it? Well, I don't do hashtags. They say I should, but I don't. <laughs> but I mean, if anything's, there's been a lot of things in life that I've enjoyed and then they become a thing. Right. And then I do it and people are like, oh, you do that? I do that too. And I'm like, yeah. I did you. this because you didn't do it, Eric. So you're, like, a, you're a trendsetter. Not necessarily, maybe so, but I don't, it's, it's more like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually more like I just get so discouraged with lack of authenticity. I hear you. And so, and actually this is something that annoys the fuck out of me. So. Like living in Miami and growing up in Miami, Miami's always been a very international city. Right. And so I lived in Miami Beach for 10 years or Don't something. Worry, I didn't want any more of that. And, and you'd be in Miami Beach and you'd see a guy with like short pants wearing like white, you know, like pumas or some shit. You know, he was Italian. And you could identify people very easily. Oh, yeah. And now with Instagram fashion, everyone's the fucking same. They don't know if they're from fucking Topeka or from fucking Milan. <laughs> they all look like the same. And that drives me nuts like a motherfucker so like you, you gotta hate brooklyn like, yeah you know, i hate I, dude i, I hate so i hate right now. all that <laughs> shit I, but I, I love how if you this is not it's not if you looked at robert you'd be like oh robert fits perfectly in brooklyn now but his personality you probably loved brooklyn in like 88 that's the thing you okay. looked like dangerous yes. brooklyn and, no exactly <laughs> so and i i'm the most terrible person because when we had well 
we've, we've had our office in a variety of bad neighborhoods, but like on the fringe. And then you see some guy walk by with like a man bun, big beard, like, you know, tapered pants with like sporty tennis shoes with like a muscle shirt with like sleeve tattoo, like just generic, like Instagram male model guy. He just described a, almost me. Yeah. He just described mm, me, but without, without why, the good why, body. I, that's why so, I was having the head nod. <laughs> so this guy whose name's like, whatever douchebag name. Dick Labretti. <laughs> He'll come over and he's like, what's a douchebag name? Chad? Chad, Chad, Chad Brad, or Kyle. Oh, there you go. Tanner. Tanner. What oh, the fuck? Don't say that much. So that guy will come by and he's like, so he's like, so he, then of course he's going to talk to you in a Kardashian accent because he watches that shit. Yeah. And then, so now people who are from South Carolina, instead of being like, what's up y'all or however they talk, they're like, oh my God, like the other day. So then he'll walk over and he's like, uh, do you know like where Panther Coffee is? And you're like, yeah, you go down the stoplight, you make a left, you walk like four blocks, it looks like it's a really bad neighborhood. And right past, you pass the buildings that look like a project, you make a right and you send them into hell. You send them where they're gonna get fucking skinned. So I do that shit and then all the time. And then I was living in Miami Beach. So I lived like, when you come across from Miami to Miami Beach, you come across the causeway and then you make a right to come to my neighborhood, which is the south, southernmost five blocks, or you go left to go to like the rest of Shitsville. And guys would accidentally turn like into my neighborhood. So it doesn't feel like the South Beach that they've seen on the postcard or like right. with boy shorts, shit like that, postcards, whatever. So they'd be like, hey, how do I get to South Beach? I'm like, dude, you got to go back to Fifth Street. You make a left. You go down the causeway. You cross the bridge. You get off the bridge at Biscayne Boulevard. You make a left. I'd send them in the fucking downtown again. <laughs> but I, it, the best was when it would in be like... In the middle of the ocean? Like, I don't think it's the right place. It'd be like 4.30, where it would take them a solid two hours to get back to where they started when they realized that they fucked up. <laughs> I love doing that shit. So anyways, back to the main point. That stuff bothers the hell out of me. But it bothers me because, like, I feel like people express themselves or used to express themselves via, like, whatever it was. Whoever they were, they defined themselves by Naturally. a variety of things. Right. Their haircut, their beard the way they dressed, the way they talked, there was all these things that created a person, right? Like a real soul. And now it's all just like fucking bleached. And right. it's just all these fucking cookie cutter lookalikes, which to me is a very, very intense case of lack of self-esteem. So all these people that feel little, they dress like an Instagram male model and that's their fucking new you life. You just define social media. No, it's, but it's brutal. It's I know. fucking- uh, You just define social it's, media. It's that's what it is. the death of the world, man. That's what it is. It's the death of the world. Well, just to clarify, and you know, how, I, had, how, I had a beard since high school when it wasn't cool. Oh, no, 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 exactly. <laughs> but, but how many times have you wanted to cut it? Because some guy's like, dude, what beard oil do you use? I mean, I do get pissed at that. I don't cut it only because uh, I have the face of a twelve-year-old if I cut my face shape. My beard. But, but but that's the point. Is, I don't use is, any. I don't use anything in it. This is I just trim it's it. It's all with natural. A, it's all natural. Just sweat and like some sprite. The funny shit to me is like I've always like I I wear thin jeans and I've always worn thin jeans and I've worn thin jeans since I was like fucking 17 years old. That my best friend was a Swiss kid and my other best friend was a fucking Italian kid, and they wore thin jeans and I don't know I just like we are known for our slimmer denim yeah yes. and, I, and I always had like kind of skinnier legs and shit and then I was just like whatever so they fit me better and I like them more so I wear skinnier jeans so I got made fun of for my skinny jeans or pegged pants from age 17 to age 28 w wasn't that like the rock and roll thing to do too Is kind this, of yeah so why yeah. I don't know but anyways it's like haha look at him with his skinny jeans so that asshole is wearing fucking spandex now and I'm like you're wearing fucking spandex man you're making fun of me because I had skinny jeans 10 years ago. They're so skinny. They're not even like jeans. Yeah, they, they you're wearing spandex <laughs> that are four inches too short. You shave your fucking ankles and you wear no see socks. <laughs> and you made fun of me. 
That was like a, a friend of ours that used to wear those high pink socks and those. Uh, yes. Uh, what's the name of that place um, with the whale as the logo? Um, oh. Vineyard Vine. Vineyard Vine. That's Hernando's jam. Yeah. Oh, they love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Instagram right now, like, oh, I do like those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but uh, I do think that's the death of culture. It's the death of right. society. Well, they took a good thing that can be like just seeing, like, oh, I never thought to, like, you know, oh, I literally like how that shirt looks. I'm going to try it out to, oh, everyone likes that shirt, so I have to wear it. Right. Like, it could have been a cool thing where you just maybe get to experience new kinds of fashion, maybe things you haven't seen before. But it immediately went from that, like, super quick to just, oh, you know, Everyone likes a beard now. I have to grow a beard instead of like, oh, that guy's beard looks cool. Maybe I would look good with a beard too. And now it's like, oh no, everyone has beards. I need beard. No, and I, I always had a beard. Like I have now yeah. a beardish, stubbly thing. But I always had a beard. Not like a beard like yours, but I mean, I had like, like twice yeah. or three times longer than this. And now I cut my beard and I, and I trim it back shorter yeah. than this and I let it grow about this long and I trim it again because I don't like that. Yeah. It bothers the fuck out you know, of me. You know, has a beautiful beard is uh, over to Rob. Yes, he Bo has a nice beard. Bo Beautiful has a beard. really nice beard. He's a hashtagger, though. I feel like yeah. I'd kill him in, in wartime. <laughs> in wartime? <laughs> well, he, don't, he looks like one of those guys that you see, like, chopping wood on Instagram. But then we're like, hey, dude, it's really cold. Like, we need some wood. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to chop wood. <laughs> so actually, funny story. I've just seen him at war, finding, wrote, like, Bovita Barab. Well, look at that beard. I see him he's in the gonna, Civil War. That's where I see him. Yeah, yeah Civil War. I, I see him in the Civil War. Yeah, like, no, I know, but he's going to run past all these guys shooting at him just to find Bovita Barab. <laughs> you know so I have, I've had two very interesting experiences with that character that you just described. One of them, there was a girl that I always liked that was you a bar fancied her yes. fancied her she was a bartender in Miami Beach at a club that I went to all the time and so anyways one night we, we I was fortunate enough to go out with her so we went out and like I'm like a normalish guy whatever we have dinner oh yeah and then she brings up to me that very thing she's like she's like you know what like it's so refreshing to go to dinner with you because you're like a normal guy and I'm like what does that mean she's like well I've always liked like the kind of like chain wallet Beard, long hair, tattoo, black T-shirt, motorcycle guy. Sons of Anarchy guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, so the last guy I went out with, like I went out with him a few times and he was that guy. And then like, you know, we started kind of like getting more involved, I guess. And so she was at his apartment. So she'd never been to his apartment. So they were going to go to dinner. So the guy's like, all right, I'm going to take a shower. Well, an hour and a half later, he comes out of the bathroom and she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. So... The guy has like a one bedroom apartment with one bathroom. Right. So she goes in the bathroom. She's like, he had more hair and beard and products and shit like that than I have. And I'm a woman. Right. So the guy had like, she told me he had like all this fucking shit everywhere. <laughs> and then he kept telling her like, cause she's. Does this kept, guy eat? Uh, like, how do you have money for all this stuff? So uh. anyways, so the guy kept telling her like that his bike was in the shop. The guy had no bike. He didn't know how to ride a bike. He would just look like a biker. And then the other thing that was fucking amazing. I was in um, Lexington, Kentucky. And so don't don't disappoint me because I picture like it's in Kentucky as a place like the last bastion of of man. I'm gonna ruin this shit for you. Oh. So I'm in Lexington. There was a music festival there. Some so I'm in bullshit. Lexington, and there's a guy in his motorcycles like not working, and it's an old guy. So these guys walk by and they're like white t-shirts, right. like the salvage denim, like you know whatever, with like fucking biker boots with their t-shirts rolled up with their fucking tattoos and yeah. shit. And this old guy's like fucking 70 years old. And he's like, hey. And the guys are like, and he's like, hey. 
Yeah. And the guy's like, Billy, is he talking to us? <laughs> so it's like four like, like dudes, you yeah. know? So he's like, hey, can you look at my bike? So this is like a 70-year-old. Like, he's not right. registering. So they're like, oh, my God. He thinks, it's like, we don't know about bikes. And he's like, we look like fucking mechanics. <laughs> and I'm like, I love you. <laughs> but it's fucking amazing. But you know what I was doing for the longest time? I don't do it anymore because now I don't go out. I go to my house and I don't leave my house. But when I used to go out, when, when those people started coming around, I'd ask them for cocktails. Like I'd be at a bar and I'd be like, yo, can you grab my girl like a Pinot Grigio and bring my boy like a old fashioned or whatever? And they'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I thought you worked here. Cause they all look like fucking they, bartenders. They all look like the bartenders were like with the suspenders and a bow tie and mm. like they put the rag over their shoulder. Oh no, what, what can I get you, sir? That's crazy. It's crazy how hard they try to like look like that Civil War era yeah. when like they, oh, I, I use this as like my, this is my conditioner. About all the Civil War things yeah, that are out there. This is my conditioner. This is my other hair care product. I'm like, those guys just use blood as hair gel. Right. Like blood they didn't, and sweat. Yeah, they didn't have like all this stuff. Yeah, and then they, they try to look ultra masculine, but hate everything about now the toxic masculinity and they hate everything about it. I'm like, dude, you're rocking a beard and an axe and like a wood chipper. But you don't like masculine things? It's it 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 it, it bothers me. We need a solar flare. Yeah. <laughs> like Bill Burr, Bill Burr always says, like we need like not a major disaster, but like something like, a plague, just like wipe just out. Let me like, know when it's some. happening so just, I can prepare yeah, for it. Just some of it. Needs well, to get solar flare because none of these guys know how to hunt or fish. They're just gonna be like, my app's not working, Billy. I can't order a sandwich, and I'm gonna starve <laughs> to death. Well, being that you're so opinionated, we have a, a, a <laughs> at nice, all a nice uh, section of the show where we do. Uh, it's kind of like this or that. It's like real quick, run off mm. a couple questions, comes right to your mind, and, and answer it. So we'll see how this goes. I'm telling you now, we're not editing anything else. No, this. we're not. I, I was just thinking with all the F-bombs just dropped, I'm like, you know, I'm not, no, no peeps. No, leave no, it in. It's, it's, it's leave my it mom in. says cursing shows a lack of education. Actually, uh, uh, I've seen a lot of studies that people who, not like who use it just, just as word filler, people who curse a lot just in their natural conversation actually have a higher usually have a higher IQ. Thank you. Plus, you can't say like, fuck. Shucks! You know, it doesn't work. You go, fuck! God damn it! Gosh dang it, fuck. Willie! <laughs> All right. Um, so, we're going to start off favorite cigar size. Ooh, I'll see what you guess. Uh, petite Corona. I was going to say Petite Corona. For sure Petite Corona, but anything under a 40. Okay. Anything under a 40? Yeah. You're a connoisseur. Anything under a 40 makes me happy. Petite Corona is my ideal size. And then like, Corona Gorda is up there. Like 40, 46 is gorgeous, but like petite, anything under a 40, petite Corona, anything under a 40, and then a 46. Okay. Favorite cigar wrapper? Habano. You didn't ask why. I, I don't know. You know why? Because everybody's why. like, oh, another Habano cigar. Oh my God, it's Habano. There's such a broad realm of what Habano is. And they never is. taste the same. They never taste right. the same. And a lot of guys same. make it easy and they just say Habano. And that's what we do. I had a rep of mine. He's like, you have too many Habano cigars because we have like three or four of them. They're entirely different. The wrappers are different. They're different strains of Habano. But you just don't say that. Right. And, and it's, it's like, like saying, like, I love dairy products. Is it cheese? Is it cream? Is it whatever? There's like so many kinds of cheese. I just, and there's I, so many kinds of cheese. I just introduced so him to a brand new cheese that I've never oh, had it's before. delicious. What is it? Cacciacavallo. It's an Italian cheese. It's like a mix between, like, a mozzarella and, like, provolone. It's so mm. good. The, the texture so of good. provolone, it's but with so the... Good. Yeah. It's I'm not a cheese guy. I'm a cheese guy. What do you think? I have no opinions. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it just sounds so unnatural to say mozzarella. Like, it just goes against everything I've been taught my entire life to well, say mozzarella. Because you know that that's not a word, right? 
mozzarella is and mozzarella I mean, is all, not. all words are made up of you know, mozzarella. Point, so. It's mozzarella. It's true. Yeah, well, anyway. You're Hungarian. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm they got good paprika over there. Yeah, that's mm. oh, yeah. that and paprikash. Mm-hmm. Chicken paprikash. Which I went to has Hungary. Hungarian paprika. Yeah. What that? I wasn't hungry. Yeah, how was it? It was tight. <laughs> I had a good time. I, I, I could tell you. I There's one point to describe hunger. It was tight. No. <laughs> I, I was there with one of my boys. We had a nice time with Sebastian Duane. I was going to say something terrible. You, I always see you on Facebook. You're, you guys are always like in Amsterdam or like some European city. Shit gets weird. I know. You bring Miguel there. Oh, Bringing Miguel to Europe is just... <laughs> Nah, he's the worst. How you don't film that? He's one of those guys. Like Miguel looks like a hoodlum, talks like a hoodlum, but he spends an hour and a half in the bathroom preparing, like getting well, that, ready. And that beer takes work. He comes Miguel out, he goes in and comes out. And he met looks Miguel. The same. He used to work at, a, at one of the stores, and now he he's like a, a broke. He, he like works for Robert. He's like kind of like a rep for him. He's a guy that looks pregnant with a beard. Oh, okay. You, you saw? I'll, 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 show, sure you, I'll show you a picture later. And you're like, it. oh yeah, I we, we, so we, we talked there. to him multiple times at the, right. at the show. What's he says, what up, B? That's his thing. Hello, how are you doing? He goes, what up, B? Describe Caldwell Cigars in one word. Ambitious. I thought it was just going to be silent, and I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it was going down that path. <laughs> Two buttons or six? Two from the bottom up. <laughs> Uh, favorite music to listen to while smoking a cigar? Synth pop. Oh, Jesus. Spell synth pop. Oh, it's the shit. Oh, okay. Is that that Czechoslovakian music? The presets. Look them up. They'll change your life. Secret. Look up synth pop and we'll listen to it later. The presets. Thank you. Crystal <laughs> Castles. God, I got nothing. That's the shit. <laughs> I listen to that for everything. I think I listen to the same rock band over and over again every day. Uh, Listen to presets. Okay. It's like Depeche Mode. Spotify? It's like Depeche Mode. Okay, Okay, so Depeche Mode with like a disco, house, heavier rock, more intense thing going on. All right. It's very nice. All right. (laughs) Best thing about living in Miami? Silence. Leaving. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Last one. Best Caldwell cigar. Anastasia. Okay. I actually, uh, I really like it. It's really good. I never, I don't think I've heard of it. They, uh. What? Yeah. Forget, so, he like started, I'm very he, new. He very started new. in the interim between the green Anastasia when you guys brought the mm. blue one. So yeah. it hasn't really, you know. Special cigar. Do you have any of the Special. green ones left? In my personal stash. Well, I mean, he's a big fan. And, you know, he, Maybe. He, he, we'll, we'll think he about it. He drove all the way out here today just to meet you. Yeah, we'll, we'll think about we'll, it. Yeah. I drive an hour. I'll dead. take him out of Hernando's personal stash. <laughs> his stash is in my house. The best shit is when we were, like, switching, we wanted to have, like, a hard reset. Like, okay, green is gone, blue is here. So yeah. the blue was ready, and the green was, there was a little bit. So then we have a third partner, so we were like, well, if he sees that we still got this green shit... So then we had, we like Trevor, the office manager, we convinced him to like sample it all out. And then we hit it like in master cases and like put them over in the corners of the office and like put t-shirts and shit on top of them until it was time to like sneak them out and then put them in the humidor of my house. You had to rob yourself. Yes, I robbed them myself. <laughs> like not just rob, like you put a heist on yourself. Dude, my, like I, our, third yeah. partner, our third partner, he's like, 
He'll be walking around. If anything's saleable, like he'll sniff it out. Like he's a drug dog. He's just like, <laughs> so you gotta like, that's why you put the t-shirts, you gotta hide shit. Cause he'll find it. Like I, I, I've always had my personal stash as a Hernando in the like back corner of the office. Like this is our shit. So then sales meeting comes around this year. So I have like, or we had, have, but original production first run stuff. Wow. Like 20 boxes yeah. of first run, five and a half year aged, gorgeous shit. That we're enjoying like one cigar at a time, very rare. So I go to like the sales meeting dinner and the boxes are all over the fucking table and guys are grabbing handfuls of this shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm happy to share, but one at a time, please. Yeah. And I'm like, I asked Trevor, the office, like the administrator, I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, Juan didn't want to use like saleable product air quotes. So then he just grabbed shit off of your private stash and just dumped that on the wow. like, See, oh. I don't mind, sh- but I, oh, I don't mind sharing either, but that's the same. Like, but, but the thing is, don't just put it on a fucking table. Let me hand you one and right. tell you why it's special. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because they're, they're going to treat like, oh, look at this, you know, Eastern Santa. I was going to grab five of them. I'm like, no, but they're not that special. Well, and that's not the cigar you smoke five beers in, six cigars right. a day. That's the thing is like when, when I, I never have those cigars. And when I do, it's like. That's a Saturday night after like this you take is, your wife out to a yeah. like, nice dinner well, and then you sit. Here you go. This cigar is five years old. It's my first run. It's very special to me. I hope you enjoy it. And mm-hmm. the guys are like, oh. And then they wait until their palate's clean and they appreciate the cigar. And that's right. what it's for. And this was just consumed like, hey, Johnny, pass me another beer. You know, like oh, three so in I the was morning. There. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but three in the morning, not enjoying it the way right. it should right. oh, that's, oh, I'm, I'm cringing. Yeah. I'm cringing. I, 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 not I, piss me off. It pissed me off. So too. then I was the asshole. And I'm like. <laughs> Back off! Everybody away! <laughs> took them all and put them in my He's trunk. taking all the boxes off. Yeah, I did. You I round, took them, roundhouse I took kicking them all people. And I put them back in my fucking car. Just throw and hitting like, people. No cigars for you people. Fuck that. But they, did they know? Like, did they know? No, I, actually, it, 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 to be honest, I took away some of them, but then I also told them what they were. And then yeah. they I feel like he was Jeremy Piven in uh, Entourage with the paintball gun. The shooting. <laughs> That's what I, I totally imagine you just start doing. But like dressed like that. Yes. <laughs> no, obviously. There's Not in a Jerry P- Piven suit. No. Robert, this has been awesome. I would. I want to have a whole other podcast. I want to talk to you about like just Miami culture because I find it fascinating. I would love to have a whole other show. The vacuum of culture in Miami. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's it's such a interesting city. And it creates such interesting characters such as yourself. No, see, let me tell you something though. You're wrong because what happens <laughs> in Miami is. Like, you know when you make juice? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bad example. Okay. I don't know where you're going with it, but all right. Well. All right. Well, assuming that you're making something, and then to make something, you start with something, and then when you're making it, you end up with what you want, and then whatever's left, you throw away. The throwaway part's Miami. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Can't I, wait I, to be there. I got it. Yeah. What it was is what you're thinking You have no idea. Miami. So, Hernando, I'm technologically... Inept. So I'm like, yo, Hernando, and I don't want people spying on me via my headphones. Right. So I'm like, I found, my, I found my iPod. So I'm like, yo, load this shit up because this guy's got all the music. So he's got like 2006 Grass Nightclub mix and shit like that. Because we, we met actually socially and we used to go out all the time. So I'm listening to this music now so that I don't get spied on while I'm doing it uh, on my iPod. And I'm listening to this music that that's fat iPod, like the, like the big one. Oh yeah, but it's like, <laughs> like it's it's like euphoric recall back to when Miami was the Miami that people like that made it famous. Right. And man, it was the shit. It was like it was the shit. It was it was just like it never ended. It was fucking gorgeous. Like 96 to 
96 to 2007, 8, 9. I mean, when did LeBron get there? After that. After 2010? That. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably what it's But what like. happened in Miami was Miami became Instagram. Yeah. Right. Or Instagram became, became Miami. I don't know. But my last, my, my worst experience in Miami, which was like, well, what, what kind of killed it for me. So Miami was always a city where no one gave a shit. So like you had everybody like this and then Miami was always like that. Right. So Miami's now like this. But it's not here, it's here. It's following everything. And what happened was Miami was the city that was by no means revolutionary, but just didn't give a flying fuck, right? So now Miami's a socially correct, you can't say that, you can't do that bullshit city like everything else. But I was out about three and a half, four years ago, and we had Miami Winter Music Conference. So Miami, what made Miami famous was cocaine, women, every other drug that existed, yeah. Nightclubs, cigarette boats, not giving a fuck. Like, just yeah. fuck it, right? And Cubans. Yeah, and Cubans. But so the, the party culture and the environment of, like, enjoyment in Miami was always like, we're going to die tomorrow, so let's do it all today. Right. And that was a beautiful thing. So you'd go out to these <laughs> nightclubs, and it was just like, I mean, I'm not even talking drugs. I'm just talking fucking, like, just. Everyone's having a blast. Bah! Yeah. Right. And then the next day was always like, what the fuck happened yesterday? You know? And then like somebody might have had one of those little cameras and it's like, yo, look at this shit. But it was just it was just like reckless abandon. We gotta we gotta shoot all of it tonight. We gotta empty it all. Like it's right. Cause you don't know. And then so the last time that I went out, Winter Music Conference was always like a huge gathering of top DJs, like just music circuit, the shit. So I go out with a friend of mine, Greg. Oh. A friend of ours. And so we go out with a group of people, and I don't do drugs, but everybody else does. So we're there, and these guys are Literally like... Literally everybody else in Miami does. <laughs> well, who used to be in Miami. So we go out, and it's just like, you know, we get to the fucking nightclub, we get our table, and fuck, like, I'm looking around, and my people are like licking each other's faces, like eating their hair, or like fucking, I mean, just fucking whacked out. Yeah. And the music's going, and I'm like... I'm like fucking energized and shit. And then the table in front of us rolls in and it's like all these nice little looking females and then some dudes that could have been females that were also nice looking. We talked about that. Um, <laughs> so anyways, they roll in. So out come the bottles and the sparklers and shit. And all these douches are like mm. on their phones and shit. So bottles show up. So everybody grabs a bottle and they're like, all right, pose. And they take all these douchebag pictures and then they sit there like editing them and posting them. And like the music's fucking going. It's oh, three in the morning. God. This is a time. And this is some deep, deep, hardcore, intense, like just scary, scary music. And everybody's on fucking drugs and everything's crazy. And then these douches roll in. So that was the beginning. I mean, it's like fucking right. termites or locusts. Like yeah. that was the beginning. A week later, now that then it was two tables. And the week, three weeks later, it was the whole And that's what place. happened. And yeah. then so my wife. My wife comes to Miami, and my wife, like, we talk war stories, like those of us that are from Miami, of the, the way that it was. And my wife comes to Miami, and like, you know, we go around, and we're like, we're in Miami Beach, and I'm saying hi to everybody. And she's like, how do you know him? How do you know him? I don't know. I, feel like I fucking know everybody, whatever. But I know all these people from like the social scene. So then she says to me, finally, she's like, well, and she despises Miami, but she's like, we should go out. Like, let's go do it. Let's go do a night. Like, I want to see it. So I'm like, fuck it. So we go out, go to the first place. We, we, anyways, within 30 minutes, we've been to three places and shows over going home. You walk into the nightclub, it's like being on a fucking cruise ship. It's like nightclub cruise ship. It's like, 
like DJ Khaled for seven seconds, Lil Wayne for 11 seconds, drink special at the bar. Like, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? This used but to be madness, and now it's like it's well, commercialized. It lost, it lost in Miami. The best part of Miami was like they used to let you in because, and they used to let you not let you in because. Right. It was like you roll up, and they'd just be like, you guys would be like, I'll spend 20 G's. And the guy's like, I don't give a fuck. You're not coming in. Like, it was never about the money. It was about like, we let our own in. Like, it was just. Right. It was fucking amazing, man. I don't like, like your shoes. Yeah, I don't like your shoes. You're not coming in. What, whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was all like it was all to protect the core of right. the actual enjoyment that was occurring. Now it's just like money, which is fine, business. But it lost its soul entirely, and there's nothing oh, authentic like, left I there. Influencers and shit, they let in like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna post about us? Like, come on in. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. It's just it's fucking yeah, that's destroyed. A, that's a whole other conversation. Like, it's destroyed. So so how know. Las Vegas is is how Miami is. But Miami was never like Vegas before. They're identical. The, right. the social scenes are identical. And the first time I went to Vegas... Because Vegas was never raw. Like, I feel like Vegas was Vegas never, like, was never, raw. Was never Miami's raw. Miami's not raw. Miami yeah. was raw. I mean, Miami's still got some, like, raw parts. But, like, when you used to go... I mean, you used to go out... Like, when we started going out in the 90s, I was, like, 14 years old. Right. And I'm going to these... And it was fucking wild. I mean, shit was crazy. Like, this guy and I, we used to go, we used to go out and just... Like, we'd start at, like, 11 in the morning. Nah. Like, go out, fuck around, like, go on somebody's boat, day party. <laughs> Don't even know who he is. End up at some dude's house. You're, like, at this house. There's, like, all these people. There's girls roller skating around with trays of fucking blow. Shit's crazy. And then you, you, you're, like, okay, we're going to this club. And you roll in, like, 50 deep. You lived, like, a movie. Like, it, you lived, you, like. Everybody. So here's the funny thing. What was that movie called? Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. yeah. That's, like, high school in Miami if you grew up there. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, you think I'm joking? No, I don't. That's the sad part. That's, that's what a, it was. That's the scary part. That's exactly how it was. It was fucking insane. Jesus. And actually, man. when we watched that movie, both of us said that. Like that reminds me of when I was 17. I mean, that's what it was. Just that. You remember all those hookers and blow from right before prom? We used to. I, they, and this guy he was the worst. He used to take me to people's house, and we go to this, this house. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? It's got a fucking stuffed person on the wall, you know? And then like, <laughs> just crazy shit happening, and then like. I don't know how he knew him, but he knew this guy from wherever. And then you go, and now ah, let's do this. And, ah, and We're going to want a human hunt tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> crazy <laughs> shit. What's going on? But it, but it was so special because it was so unique. And, like, and it was weird, too, because like, I never had really, – Hernando's my friend, and I have like four friends. But I never really had friends, and I never needed to. Cause I just go your out. friends were whoever you were with that night. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and, and you guys bonded, phases, and then like maybe you never talked to them. No, again. but you'd see them again, and then yeah. you'd re like. So yeah. when I went in, my, it was never like, oh, let's get your friends and go out. It's like you'd see them there, or like, what are you doing tonight? I'm going out, and that just meant you were going to the clubs. And then at some point in time, you'd fucking run into somebody. Right. But it was a beautiful thing, man. It was crazy. It was. It was just. But it's. It's gone. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame, Greg. See what you did? Yeah, next. There's a nuclear reactor. <laughs> 12 miles south. If that shit melted Ch down. Chernobyl, part two. Uh. <laughs> hey, the deer survived. Yeah, that's true. Put on my fucking... Robert, this has been an absolute... This, this, I think this might be my favorite podcast. This was fun. I think this was, what, this was I, fun. I think this was my favorite one. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, listen, man, great new cigars. I'm excited. Yeah. One of these, one of these dropping. Uh, we've just started shipping them. Just started shipping them. Awesome. So, guys, we'll, we're going to put a link at the bottom of the video on YouTube. For yeah, all, make sure you get them here. Yeah, all Caldwell products. And then um, when the new King is Dead, Long Live the King by AJ's drop, you can get them. You, got, you well. guys have them. 
Yeah, we should have. Yeah, we just, just got to put them on the website. Yep. I think. I think yeah. they're, in the, they're in the warehouse. So, so by the time this gets edited and everything, we what should. Are you, have. What are you rating it? I'm giving the. Hmm, I'm giving it. Giving it an eighty-seven. Suck point nine. <laughs> eighty-seven point. No, that's high. We we. We are no, we are very score. strict. We are very rated, strict. Like like very, very strict. We are very strict. Is it out of eighty-seven point nine? No, yes. It's out of 78. For you. So. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was very, very good. Um, it's definitely something I'm going to smoke again. I personally would like, I kind of like the sizes you were talking about. I would like, I would love to smoke this in a, in a thinner ring gauge. And, and we have it. smaller, mm-hmm. more I narrow. I'm, I think I might have that coming up. Coming up? Yeah. Like, like you sent for them? Yeah. Oh, So nice. when you do the review. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Perfect. You can do that. I, I'll take care of it. And you. then I'll text you. I'm like, here's my revised score based on thinner ring gauge. So, because ring gauge does matter. We'll see how many goodies you get in the mail. Yeah, now I, now I'm not gonna get that cigar. Thanks. No, just well, you give it. What's well, how are you rating yours? Ninety nine point one hundred. Hundred times sixty. <laughs> uh, hmm. I'm gonna go with nine point one. Out of a hundred? Yeah. No, not nine point one out of ten. Ten. Oh, so you give me an eighty seven point nine out of ten. Yeah, I really, I really like this. <laughs> it's nice. I love your math. Robert. I'll take your score, <laughs> uh, guys. Also, we were talking maybe having some contest stuff coming up. We're gonna start doing contests once a week every Tuesday. We're gonna do giveaways and stuff. And he said, yeah, some I got a cool bunch stuff. of cool shit. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to tell you what we're, we're you gonna just gotta do. Remind me to send it. We're gonna I do tell to them what you did to me at IBCPR, and we're not even gonna tell them. It's just gonna be secret stuff we're giving out. We're not even gonna tell okay. them what it is. Just super secret stuff, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, uh, well, we have our coupon code twenty percent. Yep off uh some exclusions apply use coupon code long ash all weekend long uh and if you are a fan of robert caldwell cigars there's only one place to get them really and that's jrcigars.com robert thank you so much for being thank here you. My pleasure. Thank, you. thank you guys appreciate thank it. you